I wish I'd have found that song sooner. That we, we would have found it sooner, actually. It was discovered and shared with me, and I was like, man, that's great. It's like the theme song for this whole month, and they've done a great job of bringing it out. Um, but I just, man, no matter what it is, big or small, that's, that's what it's all about. And as I said, this month, we've been talking about how we can experience God through things like deliverance and mountaintops, valleys, and, and, and in life choices. We, we have these, these life choices that we have to make when we're in these situations. Today we're going to talk about experiencing God through victories. And we're going to be looking specifically at Joshua chapter 6. So go ahead and turn there in your Bibles. Joshua chapter 6. Hold that. Uh, the particular victory that we're going to talk about today is a victory at the Battle of Jericho. And we're going to talk about how the Israelites experienced God through that victory. But I also want to talk about our victory uh, here today, our ultimate victory as Christians is getting to heaven. And so we're going to talk about that as we talk about Joshua and the Battle of Jericho and, and what the children of Israel did there. And I want to use the example of Joshua and this battle to show you what we should do in order to experience God through victory, which is an eternity in heaven for us. One more thing. Um, I didn't announce this earlier. Uh, so surprise, it is Family Sunday. And um uh, so if our younglings are in here, you need to, to make sure you're paying attention because I have crafted this message really for you all. Um, there's some good stuff here. I've incorporated the help of my friends Larry and Bob to help retell certain parts of this story. And I just want to give you a heads up. If your Galaxy Kids age or younger, you don't need an iPad or your mom and dad's phone today. You just need to be all eyes up here because this is where the cool stuff is going to happen. Not so much here, but the screens. <laughs> I'm going to blah, blah, blah. You'll see the movies and be like, oh, um, but, but I, I kind of did this for you guys. So go ahead and put that technology away because we've got some good stuff in store for you. Um, I do need to let you all know, I appreciate Scott. And, and in the same sense, um, Larry and Bob may have taken some artistic liberties to help me emphasize the message here. OK, so go with that. And will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you uh, that we can talk about victory. I thank you that we have examples that are fun, like, like Veggie Tales. And I thank you that we have examples that are real, like the story of Joshua and the children of Israel uh, and the, at the walls of Jericho and how, you, how you've delivered them through all these things and, and this particular victory of going into the promised land. Uh, it's such a great parallel to what you have in store for us. I pray that, that you'll, you'll open our hearts, that we'll hear well what you would have us do and, and what you would say to us today. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. I want to start off right out the gate. Let's look at our first video clip here and see what Larry and Bob have for us on opening up this whole story. Pay close attention. I don't want you to miss any of this. The Israelites were living in Egypt, but not because they wanted to. No, the Egyptians had taken them captive and were making them work very hard as their slaves. But God cared about the Israelites, so he sent Moses to lead them out of Egypt and into their own land, the Promised Land. When Moses died, Joshua became Israel's new leader. Do I know you? I'm the narrator. Oh. So off they went. After 40 years, the Israelites were finally going to their new home. With a big grin, Joshua led his people into the promised land. Unfortunately, he overlooked one little detail. <laughs> Jericho. Who are you? Who are we? I think we should ask. Who are you? Oh, um, I am Joshua, 
and these are the children of Israel. Oh, hello, children. You can never get over our giant wall, tiny bigger. Yes, tiny bigger. You are not a mighty deer. You are just a baby gherkin. I'm a cucumber. Three <laughs> <laughs> oh. cowards. You may have your guns, but we have our Things weren't going as smoothly as Joshua had hoped, so the Israelites decided to pull back and talk things over. That's a big wall. This time, I really mean it. We should go back to Egypt. Huh? We were in slavery. Nothing is perfect. Well, Joshua didn't know what to do, and he could see that things were getting a little out of control. Then he remembered that whenever Moses didn't know what to do, he would go and talk to God. <laughs> All right, a couple things to clear this up. <laughs> Joshua and the Battle of Jericho didn't just happen, and Joshua did not overlook the city of Jericho. Okay, you need to make sure you understand that. Uh, on the way, this was part of God's plan. And for us, spending an eternity in heaven doesn't just happen either. For Joshua and the children of Israel, God had a plan for how they would go into the promised land. And for you and I, he has a plan for how we're going to get to spend eternity in heaven with him. Now, here's some things to think about. If Joshua and the Israelites didn't follow God's plan, they wouldn't be allowed to go into the promised land. Nobody seems to be bothered by that today. Nobody's concerned with the fact that if they didn't do it, they wouldn't have gone into the promised land. No one says, well, what was God thinking? Why would he make them do all that stuff? We don't question that. We don't say, well, well, hey, why would he keep them out of the promised land for not doing it his way? And we have to remember, the children of Israel wandered for 40 years for a reason. They weren't doing things God's way. Keep that in mind. Because what happens today, when we say to someone, hey... You can't get to heaven just by being a good person. Or you can't get to heaven by giving to charity. Or you can't get to heaven by serving at the soup kitchen. And when I tell people there's a plan for getting into heaven and I tell them what the plan is, they can't believe that a loving God would require so much from just one person. But, but here in this example that we're going to lay out today, we see that same God and what he requires of the children of Israel to get into the promised land, which was a physical place that he promised them. Yet we're, we're just astounded that he would require us to do something for eternity in heaven. And I've had people tell me, you know what? God won't send someone to hell because they're not a baptized believer. He knows our hearts. And I say, you know what? You're exactly right. God knows our hearts and he knows why that person chose not to follow his plan too. Let's listen in on what God's plan was for Joshua and the Israelites. Camp to see if he could hear God. After he had gone a ways, he saw a strange man with a sword. Josh realized that this was a messenger from God, so he immediately fell face down on the ground in reverence. <laughs> I come with directions from the Lord. Great. What are they? The Lord says to you, Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. 
March around the city once with all your men. Do this each day for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast, have all the people give a loud shout and the walls of the city will collapse and Jericho will be yours. <laughs> well, have fun. Josh went back to camp and told the plan to the rest of the Israelites. And the wall of the city will collapse, and Jericho will be yours. So, we're supposed to hop around the city for seven days, blow our little horns, yell, and the walls are just gonna fall down. Yep, those are God's directions. Last call for Egypt, who's coming with me? <laughs> What we need is serious firepower. Cherry the Curtain! How are we clapping? I have no idea. Add your new leader. I think we should try doing it God's way first. Well, all right. I know the Bible doesn't say anything about them having a missile to get into the walls of Jericho. But I think they did a good job using humor to show us how we are with God. Because the reality is God has a plan for us. And most of us know what his plan is. His basic plan, we know. Okay? And we also know that his plan includes us telling other people about that plan but we would rather waste time building a missile that we don't need and try to force our way into something with God or force God into something with us than to just follow and live out the plan that he has revealed for us. Joshua chapter 6 verse 1 says this. And I'm going to read about seven verses or so. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war, going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet... Then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. The plan is pretty simple for Joshua and the Israelites. It's quite simple. The armed guards march first, and then seven priests carrying their trumpets march second. Then the priests carrying the ark march third, and the rear guard marches forth behind the priest. Then step five, the whole community, all the Israelites together with everybody else, march around Jericho once a day for six days with the priests just blowing their trumpets. On the seventh day, the Israelites march around Jericho seven times. Then they all shout and blow trumpets on the seventh march around Jericho. That sounds a lot more like a parade rather than a battle plan. Think about it. God's trying to do this and it doesn't make sense. We're just going to march around? Sometimes God's going to call you to something that just may not make sense right now to you. Let's see how this plan is working out for Larry and the guys. I mean, Joshua. 
Well, God's way still sounded kind of funny, but the Israelites agreed to give it a try. And the next morning, there they were, marching around Jericho. It wasn't long before the people of Jericho noticed the Israelites. Okay, again, I'm pretty sure the soldiers who were standing guard on the walls of Jericho weren't throwing Slurpees down at the Israelites. It was much too hot for that. We all know it. Um, But they weren't invented yet. What I want you to understand again with this clip, when we're following God's plan, people around us, they're not going to understand what we're doing sometimes. They're not going to see the value in it. They're not going to see the purpose in it. They're not just not going to understand what we're doing, and they're not going to understand why we're doing it. You know, when you're doing something for God, a lot of times the people in your life are going to throw things at you. They're going to throw doubt at you. They're going to throw the possibility of regret at you. I remember when when I told the people that I worked with when I was training lions and tigers that I was quitting this job and I was going to go into Bible college. And they were like, you're going to walk away from all of this to go be to, to go work at a church. I was like, yeah. They said, okay, we don't need your resignation, you're fired. So then I went three months without a job. But they threw that possibility of regret. How can you walk away from this? We traveled, we met people, we did fun things. That's what people do. When they don't understand what God's calling you to do, they, they throw these things at you. Anybody ever been on a diet? I know you can't tell from looking at me that I've been on one or two. Um, but anytime you tell your friends, never tell your friends at work that you're going on a diet. Because it's always, hey, got an extra Twinkie. There's two in a pack. You need one. <laughs> you know? It's like, no, it's a distraction. The same thing. People that quit smoking. If you've quit smoking, I applaud you because you go into work and all your buddies who still smoke are like, come on, it's time for a smoke break. And you're like, no, I'm good. Come on. They drag you down because they don't understand when you're called to do something different. They, start to, they get you to second guess yourself. And, and as Christians... The world gets us to second guess what God's plan is for us, and they get us to second guess following God's plan. They won't understand at the time what we're doing, but there will come a time when they will understand it. You see, the reality is the people of Jericho, before Joshua and and before this battle takes place, before the first day that they marched around Jericho, the reality is the people of Jericho feared the Israelites already. In Joshua chapter 2, verse 9 through 11, Rahab is telling the spies how a great fear has fallen on the people of Jericho and how all who lived in that country were melting in fear because of the Israelites. God had already gone before them. They'd heard the stories of the escape from Egypt. And even though the people in Jericho didn't really understand why the Israelites were parading around their city, we do. God was showing the Israelites and Jericho who he is. Something to remember, the Israelite army was not a small army. It wasn't just eight gourds and a couple of peas. It was it was a big deal. And and so you've got God has the army 
the, the Ark of the Covenant surrounded by the priest and the army on the front and the back, showing this community, this Jericho, what he has if he were to unleash it on them. And, and that they're there to protect the Ark of the Covenant. He's doing this, and, and they're, they're doing this for six days with no battle cry. You've got this huge army marching around your city. Pretend that this building is Jericho, and there's an army of National Guard just marching around it, letting us know they're here, but no battle cry for six days. Man, that'll start to wear on you a little bit. You don't know whether to go to sleep or to eat or, or to do. You don't know what to do because you're like, any minute they're just going to turn loose on us. It's a battle strategy. And the people at that time, then on the seventh day, they marched seven times. They blew the horns. They let out the battle cry. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Some of the guys inside Jericho are like, finally, let's just get this over with. We've been, we've been afraid of these people since chapter two. Let's, let's get it on, you know. On the seventh day, they march on seven times. They blow the horns. They let out the battle cry. And at that moment, I think even the people who didn't understand God's plan, both in Jericho and maybe even some of the Israelites who just, just weren't sure. I'm, I'm sure there were some doubters. All of a sudden, they're realizing the plan. It does tell us, though, how God's plan played out. Look at this clip. Just like God had told them, they marched around Jericho seven times while the priests blew their horns. And just like God said, when they finished marching, the priests blew one long blast and then all the people yelled. One last thing. When you see this, it makes you wonder, how long did it take for the wall to fall? <laughs> Here there's this battle cry and all of a sudden just silence, this, this deafening silence for a moment. And, and then the wall collapses. Maybe that's how it happened. But this is a huge wall. This is a fortified city. This is a big deal. I want to read to you what the Bible says and then we're going to finish out this clip so we can have closure with how this movie ends. <laughs> Joshua chapter 6, verse 20 says this. So the people shouted and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout and the wall fell down flat. So the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. The people shouted a great shout and the wall fell down flat. There was no hesitation here. This, I don't know if any of you remember, um, but I remember when the Berlin Wall came down. And it took a while. <laughs> they, they probably had to have permits and stuff, but it took a while for the Berlin Wall to come down. You know, that was a big wall. And, and, and that's the only thing I can compare this to because it's the only wall I've really ever seen that was large enough that had been destroyed in my time in the, say, in the cause of freedom. But here's this, this fortified city with this huge wall around it. And they yell and they blow horns. And the Bible says, as soon the, the, the people shouted a great shout, the wall fell down flat. No hesitation. 
Here's the final clip for the fall of Jericho. Jericho. Here's the thing. The people shouted a great shout, and the wall fell down flat. Immediately, when God's plan was followed, just as he had told them to, and in his time, when everything was the way it was supposed to be, the wall of this great city fell, and the Israelites took the city. But before any of this happened, way back in Joshua chapter 1, verse 7, look at, the, look at what the Lord said to Joshua. This is after Moses has died. Joshua is preparing to, to take over leadership. And this is what God says to him. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. Did you hear that? Do not turn from it. Be very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law. I want to parallel that for a quick second with Matthew chapter 28. Verses 19 through 20. Matthew 28, 19 through 20 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. God had a plan for Joshua and the children of Israel. It started with be strong and very courageous and follow the law that I gave Moses. He has a plan for us too. Go, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them. You see the parallel there? Look at what Moses has done. Don't turn from that. And today, our command, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. Well, how do we do that? Well, we have to be faithful to know what God's Word says so that we know what the plan is, so that we can see it fulfilled, so that we can experience God through ultimate victory. We've had a good time looking at experiencing God through victory and using the story of Joshua and the Battle of Jericho and the clips from Veggie Tales. But I've got one last illustration that's really for the adults, and I think it paints a really solid picture of what it takes to experience God through victory. This is actually an illustration from Wayne Smith's message that he delivered to the North American Christian Convention in Anaheim, California, on July 17, 1992. It's a story about a man named Lieutenant John Blanchard. He was stationed in Florida during World War II, 
One evening, he wandered into a library and found a book to read. And as he worked his way through the book, he became impressed, not because of the content of the book, uh, but with the notes that were penciled in the margins. The feminine handwriting showed insight and understanding as, as well as a bit of tenderness. He flipped to the front of the book and he found the name of the book's previous user, a Miss Hollis Maynell. Blanchard did some research. He found her address, which is in New York State, and he wrote her a letter and mailed it off. The following day, he was shipped overseas. For 13 months, they corresponded. That's kind of like sending an email to each other, in case y'all wondering. Um, they corresponded. They opened up their hearts to each other and realized that they were falling in love. In one of the letters, Blanchard, Blanchard requested a, um, a picture of, of Ms. Maynell, but she refused, saying if he really loved her, it wouldn't matter what she looked like. See, he couldn't just go to her profile, and he could, didn't work that way. Finally, the day came when they would meet. The place, Grand Central Station, the time, 7 p.m. She would carry a single rose, and he would be in uniform, carrying the book that started the whole relationship. It was now one minute until seven. He stood up, straightened his uniform, his heart pumped with anxiety. This is a true story, so we're going to let Lieutenant Blanchard tell it in his own words. He says, a young woman came toward me. Her figure was long and slim, and her hair was blonde with curls. You could see a glimpse of her delicate ears. Her eyes were as blue as flowers. Her lips and chin had a gentle firmness. She wore a pale green suit and looked like spring had come alive. Ladies, that's good stuff right there. That, that's poetry. You get a man that writes that about you, he's a keeper, okay? She curved her lips and passed me a provocative smile saying, Going my way, soldier? Almost uncontrollably, I made one step in her direction, and then I saw the woman with the rose. There she stood, well past 40, graying hair tucked under her worn hat. More than plump, her thick-ankled feet were thrust into low-heeled shoes. But she had a single rose. The girl in the green suit was walking away quickly. And I felt that I was ready to split in two at that moment. I had taken a keen desire to follow that beautiful woman who just passed. And yet I had a deep longing for the woman whose spirit had truly accompanied me. And there she stood. Her pale, plump face was gentle and sensible. Her gray eyes had a warm twinkle. I did not hesitate. My fingers gripped the small, worn book that was to identify me. I thought this may not be love, but it would be something precious, a friendship for which I was and must be forever grateful. I squared my shoulders, held out the book to the woman and said, I'm Lieutenant Blanchard and you must be Miss Maynell. I'm so glad to finally meet you. May I take you to dinner? The woman's face broadened in a smile and she said, I don't know what this is all about, soldier, but the young woman in the green suit just came by and begged me to carry this rose. It's a true story. I didn't make this up. She said, if, she said, if you were to ask me out to dinner, that I should tell you she is waiting for you in that restaurant across the street. Then she said, is this some kind of test? <laughs> Obviously, Lieutenant Blanchard passed the test. Joshua and the children of Israel passed the test. The question is, will you pass the test? You see, to, to experience God in victory, an ultimate victory, which for the children of Israel, it was the promised land. And for us, is eternity in heaven. We don't have to march around a giant fortified city and blow horns and shout. 
It's real simple what we have to do to pass the test. We have to hear the word of God. We have to believe the word of God. We have to repent of our sins. We have to confess that Jesus Christ is the son of God and that we have a desire to make him the Lord of our life. And we have to submit to Christ in baptism for the forgiveness of our sins to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There is one more thing to that. Jesus said, be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. Can you pass that test? Some of us aren't even willing to try. We think it's asking too much. But friends, I got to tell you, to experience God through victory, I'm going to once again use the words of Wayne Smith as he closed out his message in Anaheim. He said, Christianity is the name, faithfulness is the game, and heaven is the claim. As we come to our response time, the question for you to answer is, are you ready to carry the name Christian? And I don't know how you've been carrying that name lately. If it's been just in the fact that you were once baptized and you're just kind of floundering around, it's time to look at the plan. Are you ready to be faithful to Christ no matter what walks by you and says, going my way? Are you ready to focus on getting to heaven and taking as many people with you as you can? Because that's our plan. That's what God has laid before us. Think about that as we have our response time today. If you would like to be baptized or if you need to repent of something and rededicate your life to Christ or maybe you just need prayer for something for where you are right now with what you're struggling with. The elders are here. We've got a private place where you can go and talk and pray with them about whatever you may be struggling with. But as we come to our response time today, I want to remind you your faithfulness is required in order to truly experience God through victory. Will you stand and sing with us and respond to his word and do what he would have you do? It's been great to worship with you all today, but now it's time for us to go. And as you go this week, remember that God has a plan for us. He has a plan for you. You may not even be real sure what it is, but he has a plan for you. Other people may not understand that plan, but one day they will see it unfold. And I'll tell you this, it may unfold like the walls of Jericho, or it may unfold like the gates of heaven opening up, but God's plan will unfold for us and the people in our lives. The plan we choose to follow here on earth will be what determines how we experience God in ultimate victory. So go and be a reflection of Him this week. Have a great week.